What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John, it is Christmas Eve. What is the elf on the shelf doing right now? What's going on? <laughs> um, I think the elf on the shelf leaves on Christmas Eve, right? I think that's what we do. I think the the elf has already watched the kids and, you know, reported back to Santa many a time. So we'll see saw, how they I do. I saw he had, uh, he had the Hulkster uh, on mm-hmm. his back looking at the lights. What was up with that? Yeah, my wife booked that one. Um, <laughs> she booked that scenario with Hulk Hogan losing to the elf on the shelf, and Sting was watching. The Giant was watching. That might be the only person Hogan would put over. Is uh, yeah. you got to put over Santa Claus. You got to put over Christmas. You know what I mean? I think Hogan would. Vince wouldn't put over Christmas, but uh, what was the, what was the Christmas movie that Hogan was in? J- not jingle all the way that was something else um that was uh schwarzenegger schwarzenegger <laughs> um um god i don't know i know goldberg was like in one he was like an yeah, the goldberg Santa. was a, like a scary one yeah uh, yeah <laughs> that's that's so funny because uh i feel like we should know like everything hulk hogan is in like, i just remember like the the nanny or whatever and so yeah the that's nanny like, that's the only two uh, i really met maybe, of course maybe, of course maybe he didn't part. do one yeah maybe he didn't i don't know did he not do one did he <laughs> do you know who's gonna be so mad at us if he did santa with muscles santa on, oh man. man santa with muscles that's one i i haven't really watched too many i remember watching i watched all thunder in paradise <laughs> i watched all in the bard uh, of course, I saw No Horse Bard. I saw Suburban Commando. I have not watched The Nanny. I, I, I you know, Hulk Hogan and tights. Not like Are, wrestling tights, but like uh, uh, ballet tights. This is something I just don't want to see. Our our brother Wade is going to be so frustrated that we could not pull Santa with muscles. We did, though. You know, I mean, I guess because I looked it up. Oh well, she, see, you got it. Well, it's your fault that you show, you know, telling the magic here on uh, the fight game podcast. Did you, I, I, you know, here's one that I didn't know about this. Uh, Mila Kunis is in this movie, and as is Clint Howard and Ed Begley Jr. All well, Clint, in this movie with well, Hogan. Well, Clint Howard's not a shock, right? Clint Howard beginning. I, I mean, is, did Ron Howard direct this? I don't think. so. No, no. It's like, oh yeah, he right after Beautiful Mind, he's like, you know, I'm gonna do Santa with muscles. It garnered 120,000 in box office receipts during its opening week. And it only took uh, 20,000 to make. All for, and then Hogan made 18. <sighs> no, I'm sure. Uh, Hogan, I feel like it takes a little bit more than that to get Hogan out of bed. <laughs> but, you, you, um, you know, because Crystal, she's she's very into Christmas. Like, mm. you know, house is decorated. We're watching Christmas movies. Like, we can't watch a, any other movie that is not Christmas during this time frame, the, the run-up to Christmas. Like, I can't wait until this, so then I can watch some uh, Wonder Woman uh, and, and then Wonder Woman 84. Mm-hmm. But, so, you know, we've watched The Holiday. We've watched uh, Love Always. We've watched... I mean, actually, actually, I... She, she, yeah, sorry. Love Actually. She watched uh, Christmas Vacation. I didn't get to see it this time, but we watched it last year. Uh, I think we're going to try to watch Scrooged this week sometime. But I got to throw this one in. Like, okay, how? let's see how much you really love Christmas. Well, I got Santa with muscles. That's what I'm saying. You should like... But you see, you can't, you gotta, you can't build up like that. You got to tell her like, babe, this is like one of my favorite all-time Christmas movies that 
just sit down, watch. I hope you really enjoy it and just throw on Santa with muscles on. She'll love it. Okay. You know, the the other reason to watch this movie, mm-hmm. I didn't realize this either. Garrett Morris, who was on Saturday Night Live, but who played Stan on Martin is in this movie. There you go. Gosh, I I think we have maybe to throw this it is on. like a maybe this is like a hidden gem though. Maybe Santa Muscles was actually really good. Just no one watched it. I I may even just if I can like find it on like Netflix or something. I'm just gonna throw it on like when I'm working. Just it. I think that the spirit of Hulkamania uh, and Christmas just needs to be in the air. You can't be distracted. You got to sit there and watch the whole thing. <laughs> you can't just go on your computer and kind of glance at Santa Muscles. God, I got to produce all these podcasts for our network. <laughs> I know we got. I know we got uh, my my. You know Katrina. She's like hallmark movie like she starts in july that that whole gimmick she's like my dvr is just full of hallmark movies and and stuff and i'm like are we gonna delete some of these i know we're kind of hanging in that 68 percent you know <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of always around that area there but you know that's kind of like the, there's a lot of a lot of hallmark movies are going on this is like Dave's VCR where it's like UFC yeah. 100. Yeah, let's say 100. <laughs> yeah, TNA Final Resolution 2006. Like, geez, Dave, can you delete some of this stuff? <laughs> All right, so uh, we, we kind of got a, a, a little, we went a little bit too far there because... It's Christmas, though. It's Christmas. Well, we, we, we kind of a packed show here. Like, for those who have been following... Uh, the second half of this year when we decided to cover WCW Saturday night, 1992. So the whole thing of, you know, Ron Simmons becoming champion, Bill Watts era time frame, and it's coming to an end. And, you know, what we had done a couple weeks ago is we created the, this network, the, the Patreon network, and we pulled our WCW Saturday night reviews from our normal uh, Monday show in on the blue wire feed, which is the, this feed. And we put it in the Patreon feed. So unless you've subscribed to the Patreon, uh, you've probably missed uh, the last two weeks here. So because it is the Christmas Eve show, uh, we're going to do that. It, you know, we're not, we haven't watched AEW and NXT yet. We're going to put our AEW and NXT review, which is normally, in this feed, in this time frame, we're actually putting it in the Patreon for Monday. So, you know, we kind of did a little bit of role reversal with our shows just because, uh, you know, we want to maximize our time with our families. And that's just the way that it worked. So we're going to do that here. We're going to talk WCW Saturday night from uh, December 26, 1992. And then we're going to talk about Starcade, which is literally two days later because Starcade is on a Monday uh, coming from the Omni in Atlanta, uh, just to kind of mention the the Patreon, the the network. Uh, I I don't have specific dates yet, but um, very soon there will be a show with John Moxley talking UFC and kind of the end of the year for UFC, and then also a Q and A with Big Dave Meltzer. So not a bad time to kind of pop in and and uh, subscribe to the network. Both of those shows should be up within the next week or so. Like I said, I, I don't have exactly a, a time frame, but um, pretty soon. And, uh, you know, maybe even by the time you've listened to this, we'll see. I, if, if I can make that magic happen, then then I will. But uh, so not, not a bad time to subscribe. Uh, we, we've been putting out uh, at least five and 
uh, and, and more like six shows a week since we started. So uh, lots of audio. Hopefully you're enjoying those shows. Hit me up, gg at fightgamemedia.com if you have any questions. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. And we're going to, you know, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep growing. We're talking to some folks about doing, you know, bringing other shows on. So um, just want to maximize the value and hopefully people enjoy it. All right. So uh, why don't we start uh, talking about this WCW Saturday night show? So it's December 26th, 1992, two days before Starcade. And uh, what's interesting, and because I fully expected it, because obviously I, I do, I, I'm not f- watching it uh, forward. I'm just sort of watching as we watch it. I fully expected the Rick Rude announcement to happen here. And I, I didn't realize that didn't happen until Starcade. Yep. And so Rick Reed, as of this show, two days before the Monday Starcade, he is still in the in uh, one of the main events against Ron Simmons. Yeah, I don't know if it was a late decision going to the wire to uh, get him a clear to wrestle. Um, he looked fine when he walked out to the, you know, well, was kind of jumping ahead to the pay-per-view part of it, but we came and made an appearance at the pay-per-view. He looked fine. Oh, I have some thoughts about that. Yeah, oh, me too. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a game-time decision thing. Maybe he, he thought maybe he had to get a second opinion, and that second opinion, if they it cleared him, they would have uh, allowed him to compete and to work. So I, I haven't read ahead in the observers, but Dave wrote that they thought that he would be cleared, but they knew it was going to sort of come close to the deadline. Mm, yes. So they were hopeful that he was going to be able to wrestle. And then, you know, they had their plan B and they just hoped that they didn't have to use the plan B, but it, it didn't work out that way for them. <laughs> no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work that way. And it didn't work very well uh, as well. So, all right, let's, let's get through this show. And before, as we were kind of talking in, in text last week, you said something to the effect of there's a sh- there's a match on this show that I really like. And so I was wondering what it was. And I'm going to guess it was this opener with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Brad Armstrong. No, no, not that. Sh- not, not that, that match. match. No, no. It was a good match, though. Solid match. Really good. Uh, yeah. So so this match is. Like, this match is so interesting to me because Mr. Wonderful's clearly the heel. Brad Armstrong is as babyface as you can come. And they wrestled the most scientific match we've maybe have seen on WCW Saturday night this whole time. Like, just move for move, transition, hold, reversal. There was like, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I may have missed it, but did Orndorff didn't play heel almost at all, right? I think he might have taken a little. Subtle heels, shortcuts, but nothing, nothing too over top. It's just a well wrestled match, and I think it's okay for a heel to to wrestle well. You know, every once in a while, show him show skill, and so that he can actually beat a guy um, cleanly without any kind of shenanigans, and just kind of you know, because if you do it every time, especially on TV matches, you do every TV match, it doesn't mean anything when when you really do it to like in a big. Mm-hmm big matchup you know so um but you know I, I mean both guys are really good orndorf you know he's just a super athlete and he's so um 
uh, aggressive and and then you got the it's a great mixture with Brad Armstrong who's who's just like he just glides in that ring he just floats like he just he's poetry in motion right when he works and um, so this was a fun I, I no I love this match I mean I really enjoyed the opener but no it's a a different match later on that really exceeded my expectations also. Orndorff wins with a bridging German suplex, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure he's used that move before, but the 1992 version of Paul Orndorff, I did not expect to win with with that move. So, yeah, I was just I was surprised watching this match throughout. Yeah, well, I, I thought for sure it was going to end with the uh, pile driver. And even Jim Ross mentions he has the pile driver. We've seen him in the past do a pile driver. And I thought for sure that, you know, one reversal too many was going to, you know, fall into the hands of Paul Orndorff. He's going to hit that pile driver. But yeah, the German suplex was a surprising uh, finish. And, uh, and yeah, so the next thing that happens is uh, Barry Windham and Brian Pillman, they're pissed. And they want a, a title shot now. Like, they don't want to wait till the pay-per-view. That's how mad they are. Yeah, that was interesting. They wanted it, and, they, and they, don't, they don't really get it, but they get something towards the end. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting. Just kind of keep the, uh, the, I guess, keep the pace going, keep the momentum going, and keep uh, some excitement leading to that tag tag title match. And then uh, Michael Hayes. And Bobby Eaton, or actually, it's more Michael Bob. I don't even think Bobby Eaton says anything, but no, uh, they have a match against Ron Simmons later in the show. So Hayes is Hayes is talking about that, um, and then the next match is Bob Cook against Dustin Rhodes, and Cook kind of got some stuff in in the beginning of this match. Yeah, and, and and you know Dustin obviously he he wins with the bulldog, but I, I I like seeing old Bob. You know we we've seen we've seen the story of Bob Cook here in, in a few of these shows, and you know it's good to see him get some you know get some moves in on Dustin. Yeah, as he as he mentioned to me, you know uh, Watts really gave him a lot of opportunities, and you know let him go on the road with uh, Eric Watts to you know help you know get Eric going, and you know he loved Bob Cook's. You know, right hand, which he throws a great punch, and you know, featured that and featured him on these on these matches. Gave, gave him a win on the Battle of the Underdog match they had a couple weeks ago, and you know, I think Dustin respects him too. You know, every kind of respect Bob. He's trained by you know Boris Malenko, so um, it was you know, it was just just a good quality professional wrestling match. And I want to go back to that Michael Hayes promo. I mean, shit. Oh, my God. What a, like he's, He cut a hell of a promo. That was like money. I mean, that made you pumped up to see Bobby Eaton challenge. You know, I, was it for the title or was it just for a grudge match? Because they, they kind of yeah, mentioned it, it was for the title at one point. I, I, didn't, like, I didn't understand. So I think the reason why that, that promo didn't really... Not, not that it wasn't well done. Like Hayes is an amazing talker. But the problem to me is um, Eaton is not really in the mix at this point. Like he has some matches. Sometimes he's in a tag. We've already seen him lose a few matches. And so, you know, I'm too smart of a fan at this point in my young fandom to know that Eaton has any shot of winning this match. And, I almost wish it was like a Ron Simmons. I mean, it's not like Ron Simmons. Like this wasn't a super duper competitive match, but I almost would have rather seen like Ron just go over 
I don't know, just uh, like a like a thirty second squash match or something instead, because you know he's he's he should be like the most pissed off dude in the world right now, where he gets you know knee dropped by Rude and he gets the Rude Awakening on the outside, and so to put him in a match, you know. He, he again he did he did go over pretty impressively but i would have just rather seen him like do just the fired up like baby face just all right just get this jobber out of the way i'm running through him and i'm pointing my finger saying rude you know i'm gonna get you like i thought that would have worked a little bit better this was good but i just like my already as a as a young fan my cynicism for them trying to pull the wool over my eyes was already like okay i know he's not gonna win so oh well Mm -hmm. yeah i think they should have went uh well it was confusing first of all because they and sometimes they pointed for the title. Sometimes they said it was just a grudge match, a non-title. What it should have been basically without calling it a bounty match. But, you know, there's an association with Bobby Eaton and Rick Rude from the Dangerous Alliance. And the story of the match should have been that Bobby is to work on the injured shoulder of Ron Simmons, you know, just kind of weaken him a couple days before his championship match with Rick Rude. And that should have been the focus. And it wasn't really the focus of the match. It was mostly, you know, a standard match they had. And we'll talk about that later. But like, that's what I would have done in this match is like, you know, Bobby Eaton's there to to hurt, you know, Ron Simmons further leading into a title match. And I would have had maybe Rude out there for color commentary instead of Zabisco during that, during that main event. Kind of like, you know, rooting on Bobby, make sure he, you know, gets some damage done for him so he can have easy pickings on Starcade. Okay, but you know why the thing with the Dangerous Alliance, you know why that doesn't mean anything right now is because it's pretty clear Heyman is off TV, mm-hmm. Austin is 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 sort of a lone wolf at this point, and Arn Anderson is off TV as well because he got hurt, so there's really no connection. And you're right. If if they would have done that, and 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 if there would have been a story there, that look, here's you know, he, he, these these guys are are part of the same squad. But that hadn't been pushed in, in quite a while. It doesn't like have it to be. Would, it doesn't have to be pushed that they're still within a squad. It could just be. It could be a simple promo by Michael Hayes saying, you know, Bobby Eaton had a, a was an alliance with Rick Rude. You know early in this year that's that's not now but there's respect there and you know rick rude has you know paid us a lot of money to you know injure you know ron Simmons' shoulder further or something like that it's just you know that's all he needs to do to, to set that up and then the match should have been built around that but it, it was it was just a, like i said it was just a regular match you know all right let's take a break from our conversation about wcw saturday night and at the following starcade 92 to talk about indeed we are at the end of the year here and of course 2020 has already reshaped how we all work and it's almost over and businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical and indeed is here to help so indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that moves as fast as you do. So right now, we only have until December 31st. So we have a week, people. You're going to have to get on this 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best available offer, and it's only available through the 31st. Terms and conditions apply. One more time, Indeed.com front slash BlueWire. All right, in this battle of the underdogs, you had Keith Cole against Mustafa Saeed, and Larry Zabisco sort of disrespectfully is just like, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, come on, Larry. I know. Um, so, you, Cole, amazing. Mullet what? flat top. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, so clean. Twin brother has this, the uh, same one, so... <laughs> The Cole twins will show up in 1993. Um, uh, but Cole, you can see he's a good athlete and, you know, the, you can see some potential there. And I actually like the Cole twins when they kind of came out of nowhere and um, as a team. And I think it's early, early 93, spring of 93. So uh, here he's getting a look and he, he has a twin brother and the the flat top mullet's really damn ridiculous especially because you have sting with that kind of look without mm-hmm. the, the mullet part but yeah the sting, flat top. sting you know sting in his heyday was a little bit more rat tail mm-hmm. uh I, I don't think he's got a tail at this point no no but so yeah. i kind of would have like done something different you know with their hair you know you don't want to have another guy with that same look that stings look at this time so mm-hmm. but the match is fine the match is you know for their experience level is Good, uh, you know, good, good match. Oh uh, yeah, so Keith uh, wins with a gut wrench suplex. So they did a a, a pretty cool uh, battle bowl recap from the previous year. There, I mean that that's that's pretty much what this show is about. Obviously, hyping the pay per view, um, and then we get Watts and uh, Jr. Uh, Eric Watts, and uh, I noticed that he was getting some booze from the crowd. They were not not as normally okay with him. I think he's starting to grade on them a little bit because he also says that he wants Rude and they have a match later in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he challenged Recruit on the show, which was I I thought I thought this felt out of place, especially Rude leading into his world title match with uh, with Ron Simmons. This seemed like something they could have waited for in like early '93. I know Rude's ends up you know on the shelf for a little bit but but if you know considering say you don't think that's going to happen or i mean i would i kind of would have set something up with them to kind of go into it later if, if rude was going to win the title you know i don't know that that would have been different then you probably wouldn't want to do that match but um i was thinking about that with rude and winning the championship he might have won it because vader lost right so and vader winning it back on December 30th, I think it, it, I don't think that was the plan. I, th- I think maybe Rude was going to walk out as champion. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to ask Big Dave on the Patreon Q&A. Reading the Observer, the feeling that Dave seemed to have is that, uh, you know, all the business is, is pretty much down and the best possible match that they could put together for the title is Vader and Sting and sort of take that around as far as a draw. So that, that I mean, you know, maybe if they did decide, you know, this Ron Simmons thing 
isn't working and, and we're going to go away from it, but at least we have this in our back pocket. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now, uh, Barry Windham and flying Brian versus, uh, Johnny gun and Z man crowd likes Z man a lot, but the second gun tags in, they just die. They do not like this dude at all. Uh, and then, uh, I think this is, this would be their first loss, at least as far as I can remember. Yes. But, Wyndham and, and Flying Brian do that like high low, you know, clothesline and, and leg sweep or whatever it was uh, to to beat Johnny Gunn. What I mean, they they were kind of pushing them, kind of pushing them, and it just seemed like okay, this is where it's going to stop. Uh, you know, we're going to put them in with the real team that's going to get a chance at the tag titles. I I mean, I'm I don't know if they gave. I don't remember what happens to them. Did they give up on them? Like, what's the deal here? I don't think it's giving up. I think it's that they wanted to give Barry Windham and Brian Pillman a credible win over uh, a credible tag team going into the pay-per-view. The only thing is they're so light on tag teams. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what other Bayface tag teams they have? There's, I can't think of any anyone else other than, you know, there's Steamboat Douglas, who's the champions. You have Z-Man Johnny Gunn, who are, you know, on the Bayface side of things and, that's basically it, right? I mean, you could throw a couple of guys together or something like that, but I mean, there's no real solid tactics other than those two on the Bayface side. They're pretty thin when it comes to tags right now on, on the Bayface side. So they're just, uh, you know, maybe watch this head screw it after that debacle with Shanghai Pierce and Tex Lassager the week mm-hmm. before. You know, it could have been, uh, he could have had sour grapes on that, but they end up, I mean, quickly not doing much to them because they end up losing to a debuting The Wrecking Crew mm. at the Class of Champions, which was uh, Al Green and um, Joe Laronitis. They were called uh, Rage and Fury, if I remember correctly. And I remember them losing on, on that. Jo- Joe or John? Uh, sorry, Joe. Joe, the not John Laronitis, Joe Laronitis, the the younger brother, the youngest one. Wait, there. Okay, so There's three of them. They're the Terminator. You remember a guy named the Terminator? Yeah, but isn't uh, Joe? Oh, not Animal. Oh shit! I don't know. Whatever. The youngest <laughs> one. I thought it was Joe. Mark. Mark Laronitis. Mo- Mark. Okay. God, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, man. John, Joe, Johnny, and Mark. So Mark lost. Mark. I mean, Mark was the. He was Fury, I believe. Got it, got it. All right, so now we had uh, Rick Rude against Eric Watts. So Rude uh, tweaks his knee uh, early in the match, and this gives Watts the opportunity to go and uh, and weaken his his lower his lower body. He sees some shoulder tackles, um, and then he misses a high cross. They go outside. Uh, Rude hits the Rude Awakening on the floor, suplexes back, suplexes him back in the ring, and pins him. So Eric loses again to Rick Rude. The story of the match was not that Rick Rude beat Eric Watts. The story of the match was, oh, this young kid is so tough, and he's learning from this match. So that I mean, they keep they're continuing to tell that story. Uh, I don't I don't know why this match happens here. I'm not sure you know what the reason is. Uh, I, it seems like they're telling a story that maybe is being told on other shows that is not really being told here. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, it just it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of off of the the plan. It seems a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, this seems like the same match they had at Worldwide. They just showed highlights last week of. So, same kind of story. Um, this is the match I liked. I really liked this match. This match exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect it to be so good. Um, I think this is the best that Eric Watts has looked. I think it's also, you know, Rude was really a master in this match with him. And um, the only thing I wouldn't have done is have Eric beat the count after the rude awakening i think at the rude awakening he should have won by a count out or he should just be you know pinned him at the rude awakening you know either way would i would have been happy with but him trying to and i get it he's he keeps fighting and stuff like that i'm glad like it only took one more move to beat him but i you know hits his finish i would i'd protect it just a little bit more and of course he you know they didn't totally kill it by having him kick out of the rude awakening or something stupid like that i mean obviously you know the kind of a count out gives the kid a time to kind of recover a little bit after the move so it doesn't really kill that move or anything but it's still the finish for me so i i would have just had it him lose by count out there i mean he could still kind of crawl and like grasp like he's grasping at the apron to get back and and stuff like that and just gets counted out but um you know I understand the story they're telling, but I like this. I thought the whole match was really good. I'm like, wow, this match is a lot better than I remember it. And and Watts was actually looking like looking really good here. So you know, hands hands off to hats hats off to Rick Rudin. And I you gotta give credit to to Eric Watts. He's trying though. You know, he's really trying. He's not he's not like he's not that bad. You know, I mean, I've seen him have a bad performance like at Starcade, but like you know, but he 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 tries hard. So supposedly. Mark Madden, the Mark Madden. Oh, yeah. He writes, uh, he, he wrote, uh, I think, I don't know if he was writing a newsletter at the time or if he was just uh, like writing an editorial for somebody's newsletter, but he writes this piece, which is like a fictitious story about uh, Dusty Rhodes and Bill Watts, like in a competition to see who could push their son like the, the hardest. <laughs> and supposedly Bill Watts got so mad and was just like so pissed off at Mark Madden for writing this. That, that's kind of funny. And Mark Mark Madden is a troll. Like he that that's what yeah, he that's does. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was funny because if if Watts if Bill Watts actually thought things were working, it wouldn't bother him one bit. But the fact that you know he's he's probably getting it from all over the place, not just from, you know, Mark Madden. He's probably getting questions about it from, from everywhere. And, and so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Teddy is with Ron Simmons and I really liked Ron Simmons's promo here. He felt like a, a baby face champion here. Um, the, I think the problem, and we, we've talked about this is, you know, the contender side of things, wasn't uh they didn't immediately go to to van vader and have him beat vader again to sort of get credibility uh you know obviously that we're getting to rude here but it was barbarian and it was cactus jack who were more on the mid card sign but when i saw this promo i was like man you know if, if a couple of things you know flipped a different way for him uh, i don't i don't think anything's working in 1992 i think 1992 in general is just a really down year but man, I really liked him in this promo. I, I really was like, oh, I can't wait to see him beat beat up Rick Rude. Like this is you know this is the promo that made me excited for that match, and uh, and he did it. Uh, he did it on the go home, but it was uh, it was also for this match with Bobby Eaton. 
Yeah, I, think, I thought this was one of his best promos that he had so far as champion. And yeah, it was. It got me pumped up for the match, and, to, and then also got me disappointed because I know it doesn't happen at the pay per view. But yeah, Tony Schiavone, we're, we're we're really losing the appeal and charm of up close with Tony Schiavone when Marcus Alexander Bagwell is the guest. And this is good, though. I thought this, they did a good job. <laughs> but all we do is see Marcus Alexander Bagwell gets butt kicked every week. Well, he no, he won two weeks in a row. Now he's been winning, but it's like, oh, the you know the 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 rookie of the year. It's like, oh yeah, I just I just see him keep taking taking falls. Uh, but he was talking about Battle Bowl because he was in it in '91, so they were using his experience in the Battle Bowl to kind of explain the uh, the whole deal. And then they did uh, a weird hype video. It was like a commercial for the battle bowl and you would think like if they're really doing commercials they would have put this like like a month ago like as hype on on the tv but it was just like i think eric watts is in austin and a couple other guys are in the locker room barbarian just grunting yeah and they're just like oh i don't know who my partner's gonna be and it was so yeah i i, I don't know i was just like what what's the reason to put this you know the 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 couple days before this first time we'd ever saw it and then watts goes uh yeah i think i think watts says he doesn't know who his partner is which to me i was like how do you even know you're in the match there's supposed to be like 50 guys there and only you know 16 get picked how do you know you're in it kind of i think he says like if i get picked or something and i think they all kind of said that like if i get picked because there's some people that don't get picked at the pay-per-view which you know was interesting but Mm -hmm. um but yeah you're right i think they could have played this i think they could have shot it differently like the the close-ups and the quick cuts or you know they try to make it a little too stylized and you know you know pretty different for the time period but i kind of would like to have a more of a straightforward like in the locker room but just not a style with the with the dim lighting and the you know, I just it was a little much, but it was it was fine too. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It was it, yeah. They should have had these things going on for at least two weeks or three weeks before. Mm-hmm. You know? So then the match that uh, Cactus Jack wanted was he and Johnny B. Bad in a tag so they they could prepare. They were you know there are two teams that have already been picked and they were one of them. So they wanted to Cactus wanted to get some some ring time with Johnny. And uh, they faced Tex and uh, Shanghai. I thought it was kind of a weird match. Um, Johnny B. Bad hits the sunset flip, flip off the top rope, but Cactus pulls him off and tries to steal the pin. Uh, Johnny B. Bad then hits the kiss that don't miss right on Cactus, um, and then he uh, and then he does that. He does that on one of the one of the guys. I don't remember which one he did it on. Then Cactus drops the double arm DDT, and so they actually win the match. Um, but then they obviously they fight after. But they they were trying to sort of tease. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. these guys. Here's what happens if they don't get along. And I thought it would have been maybe more powerful to that story if they didn't actually win. But mm-hmm. you know, but but they did win the match. Um, and because you know, because this is going to be the the story of every match uh, on Starcade is you know the 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 teams sort of not getting along or, or whatever at least in a couple of the matches in, in I think the first two yeah yeah they they should have lost this one because 
they want to really tell the story of you know these two guys because they never teamed before and you know they, they can't get along they can't get on the same page and finally they finally do get some good teamwork but then there's a mistake happens and one loses then they brawl again and then and then they can go into the pay-per-view saying like you know they just lost two days ago and yeah how are they gonna how can they can they keep their cooler heads prevail this time so they can win and go to battle bowl etc etc instead it was just kind of mentioned quickly by jim ross at the pay-per-view that they had a match and you know on the two days ago so then we get to Eaton and Simmons. Like I said, it was it was not a very competitive match. Simmons won fairly easily, but the aftermath was rude. Gets in his face, and then Simmons drops him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, just, yeah, just drop that. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing rude was supposed to go down, but. And, and that was exactly what it was supposed to be, but it was almost like Rude was maybe surprised. I don't know. He just his reaction made me think, oh sh, oh is was this real? You know, just he Rude's also just so good. So yeah, that yeah. that could have been it. Yeah, like, like I said, I thought this match should have been more eaten work on the shoulder. That should have been the focus, and um, this could have been a better match than they had. Um, I just didn't, didn't seem like they got out of the blocks with this match. And I know that they didn't want to be too long, but still, I thought could have been of a hotter match. I'm not, I think the, I think this might have been show number three of tape show or something mm-hmm. like that because the crowd center stage actually seemed really, really, really da- like you know tired, like they've been here. And then once, once this match ended, like people started bailing, you know. So, um, you know, there's a cool little hip toss spot by uh, Ron Simmons and Bobby on the floor, which was a little nutty for a TV show. <laughs> I thought to do a TV match, do that little bump, but. You know, Eaton's just a master. You know, he's he's brilliant. But yeah, it was okay. I, I was thought it was gonna be a lot better, but it just it was it was just an okay match. So there was not a um, a main event as far as something that they were promoting. But we're getting close to going off the air. We got Shane Douglas and the Dragon against Mike Thor and Randy Sledge. And this is a this is a quick match too. Uh, Douglas with the belly to belly. And then when uh, Wyndham and Pillman um, come out, and and then they they go into the ring, and they're like, "Let's fight." Uh, and then they, I think they fight, but then they get they get pulled away, mm-hmm. and then they do, this we, they, they do this weird picture and picture thing where Wyndham and Pillman are at the you know where Jim Ross is, but then Tony Schiavone has the baby faces in like the locker room. And because of the picture in picture, they want the dragon to look at <laughs> the heels. So he's like looking away from I think Tony. I think he's looking at a monitor that they have. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really weird. But it was kind of cool to see the picture in picture because you got to see both both teams. They're pissed off. And so... Uh, and I like that. Like Bear can hear it over the PA system, like what they're saying. And like, oh, yeah, I want to fight. Let's do it. And then they just keep brawling. So I and yeah, and, then, cool. and then, they, then they come at... Then they go at it again. And, and then they go off the air. So... I, what I wonder is because of the match placement. We'll talk about Starcade right now. The match placement was um, the the heavyweight title match went before this tag team match. If Rude doesn't uh, get injured, I'm sure Simmons and Rude is maybe the the match right before the Battle Bowl. But this thing, you know, this thing had the most heat 
uh, of of the stuff that had been on this show for sure. Now, Sting and Vader probably overall, if if they did their thing, it would have been just as just as much. But they did a really good job with this. I mean, they were it's kind of like a faux tag team. Like Wyndham and Pillman are just kind of put together, and uh, and and this was the, you know this was the most interesting thing I think heading into the show. Yeah, I agree, and um, I also think. Uh, yeah, you're right. It would have been if if Rude and Simmons actually happens at the pay per view, it probably been be definitely would have been before the the Battle Bowl, which they would have had a lot to you know they got to keep that momentum up because it'd be hard to follow both the tag team title match and the mm-hmm. Sting Invader match. Um, so yeah, I think when what they had to do is they had to put the world title match on early, and then they, they're probably best for what we got. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, my football season is over because I am a 49ers fan and they are just about out of it. What a terrible year for them. Returning to the Super Bowl was the goal and then winning it, of course, but they had just had the worst luck with injuries and obviously COVID-19 has uh, has hurt them as well as, as everybody, right? Everybody is affected. So what do I do on Sundays now when my team is not doing well? They're, you know, playing backups and just hoping i don't know am i playing for uh playoff seeding i'm I'm sorry uh draft seeding for next year or do i hope that they win i i hope that they win i actually root for them to win every game and so uh you know bet online is there for you as well if your football team has been out of it or is or is on their way out of it uh and even if your football team is hanging in there and they're going to be playoff bound you're going to want to possibly put some scratch on your team so head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses and don't forget to use the promo code bluewire when you do so at betonline.ag that is bluewire all in one word bet online your online sportsbook experts all right so this uh this pay-per-view starcade 92 it is Jesse and a Jim. So I don't know if this is just the building, but the way that this thing looked on pay-per-view, it looked like they went back to like 1987. It's like all dark. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, I'm sure it's because the, the it's not full. I think that, you know, that, that place could hold like 15,000. There's probably half of the amount of people in there, but it just looks so dark. And, there was no it looked like a glorified house show like the way that you remember when um we saw vader and simmons when when they did that whole thing at the mm-hmm. house show where, where simmons wins that building was lit so well for television and then you come here to the omni and you got this pay-per-view and everything is so dark like there's no glitz to this show from a production standpoint in any way yeah, I know. I know Watts scaled back on a lot of production stuff because he's, you know, his job was, you know, to save some money too because they were bleeding so much money. And I know he also was from, you know, the, you know, under Eddie Graham and you know, dark in the arena, light in the ring, you know, make it like you're at a movie theater, right? Watching, watching the matches, you know, like that. That was like the mentality, like the focus is on the ring, even though they probably darkened it too, because it wasn't obviously a full house too as well. But I know Watts liked the darkened ring light, you know, cause it's like, they want that. He always liked that movie theater experience. You know, you're there to watch the matches. And if you darken the arena, people are more likely to be a little more ramp, you know, 
yell, scream because they're, you know, they're, they can't be seen and they won't be embarrassed yelling and stuff like that. <laughs> he's, I think he explained that in his book. Okay. So, uh, this show leads off with an update. Eric Bischoff lets us know that Rick Root is out of this match, herniated disc in his neck. Uh, so, uh, the first thing that we see is Hank Aaron, who will, I guess, have a part of the reason why Bill Watts, uh, isn't in WCW anymore soon, but it's Bill Watts and Hank Aaron in the ring and they are there to give Sting his battle bowl ring from last year. So I'm kind of confused here because. Did it did it mean that they gave the ring to Sting after he won last year mm-hmm. and then they took it back or did they just not give it to him and now they're rewarding him because they finally had the ring? I was really confused about this. Part. Well, they never in 1991, they, they Sting just won it. They never said he won a ring. They never said anything like that. It was just he won the battle bowl and that made him the number one contender to the world title. That was it. Watts wanted to turn the Battle Bowl into a yearly event and like the Super Bowl, like each each winner of the Battle Royal, he gets like, you know, like the you know, Roy Shire territory, you got a trophy, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of t- a lot of Battle Royals back in the day, you get a trophy here. The trophy would be a ring that each winner would get. So technically, this was Sting was just getting here. They wanted to make it mean something for the, the eventual new winner. So he was gonna, so they gave Sting his original ring that he was supposed, you know, they, they're crowning him. I don't know. They're rewarding him for his victory last year. So there was no stip for the ring last year, but they wanted no, to create no. a stip for it this year that that yeah. would go forward. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, each year, but I'm pretty sure they just took the ring from staying and gave it to Muda and then they took, <laughs> and took that ring from Muda and used it. I don't think they even did it. They, well, they, no, they might have given it to Vader in 93, you know, when he won it. I don't, but actually, then again, they didn't even talk about the Battle Bull ring there in 93. So it was kind of dropped. And it was brought back in 96 when Dallas Page won the Battle the battle Bull. And it was called the Lord of the Ring. And he won the ring and he would use it, you know, like MGF uses the mm-hmm. ring from the AEW Battle Royal. All that, and I wanted Sting to open the box, and he either couldn't get the box open, or there was no ring in the box, so they didn't want to show it. I didn't. That was another weird thing. But like Sting's like shaking hands, and he's shaking hands, and then he goes back to the box, and he's trying to open it, and then it just they just go away, and like we never can <laughs> see what this thing looks like. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, the graphic they show the graphic, like the the special the the, the how they made it. Here here they're making the here are they making the ring, and I'm like, it's just a graphic. They're not literally showing a real ring being made, right? It's yeah. just. Yeah. Uh, but maybe Sting was like, shit, I gotta go out for this interview. I gotta wrestle three times, you know. Like maybe just so focused, he has so much stuff to kind of like go through, and you know, he's wrestling three three matches. Yeah. It's just he's had a hard night. All right, first match, Van Hammer and the returning Dan Spivey against Cactus Jack, Johnny B. Bad. Uh, I liked the beginning because, you know, obviously we, we've talked about this. Cactus Jack is, is, is just about Van Hammer's best partner, best uh, best person just to wrestle against. The, the thing that I hated about this show, that hate is, is a strong word. The thing that mildly frustrated me 
was the way that they handled the theme music for these matches. It was just that same song mm. for both parties. Nobody got any shine on the entrance and, and nobody took like they, nobody even tried to, to have an interesting entrance. So they all just put their head down and walked to the ring, got in the ring and all that stuff was really quick. So no individuality. And well, they, that. they, yeah, they, they rushed through these opening tag matches, debatable tag matches portion of the show to because you know a lot of these guys in this battle bowl is wrestling twice so a lot of these matches are quick and short i think the entrance was done for that reason to kind of speed things up because remember shit johnny b bad had his entrance the here comes johnny b bad he came out had to pose each each time with that bad blaster you know it's like i think they just wanted to get him in there get the match done and then you know get the guys who's wrestling two more times time to rest and be ready for their match later uh, so Van Hammer, he doesn't really want to take advantage of Dan Spivey's cheating. So he's a little apprehensive in the ring. Uh, Spivey and Mick had like a little fun segment. Um, Johnny B. Bad tries to hit uh, Van Hammer with an elbow, but Hammer moves and Bad drops it on Jack. And that makes Cactus very mad. And so Cactus wants to fight. And then Johnny B. Bad throws the kiss that don't miss again. And this time, Van Hammer was not apprehensive to take advantage of uh, of this situation. So Van Hammer uh, gets the pin, and he and Spivey go into the battle bowl. Yeah, this is the this match was uh, started good and just kind of fizzled out. Van Hammer didn't actually look that good in this match with a little bit okay with Cactus because he's comfortable with him, but when it came with stuff with you know. Johnny Bada was that good. He seemed kind of like out of place. Did you see when he came out for? He, he's the one that had a little moment in his entrance when he came out. I don't know if you noticed. He was coming out talking about he's gonna get that ring put on his finger, but he gave the middle finger. If you noticed that, <laughs> I didn't. Hey, he's being cute. He's being cute. Uh, so we have Vader and Dustin against Kensuke Sasaki, who. Eh, a little bit of a waste of him here. There's actually a waste of, a, of another person coming up as well. And the Barbarian, Dustin and Big Van Vader had just faced off in the King of Cable. We haven't seen Sasaki for a few weeks. And uh, Dustin pins Barbarian with a roll-up. Uh, I, for, I forget how they got into the roll-up. How did they get into the roll-up? It was a little, it was a, like a miscommunication of partner. Yeah, right? I think Sasaki hit the big clothesline and yeah. try to hit the big clothesline and hitting Barbarian. Uh, same thing that happened in most of these mixed matches like yeah. this is this miscommunication. Um, I thought this was one of the better matches. I liked that Vader and Rhodes actually had some teamwork. I love the big man stuff between Barbarian and, um, and Big Van Vader. Vader is really protected of his, you know, he has a big match coming on, so he's not really going down, but Barbarian was a little more receptive to it. But at first, I think Barbarian's like, well, fuck you. I'm just not going to go down either. You know, it was just like a little, little bit of gamesmanship, but but Vader definitely wouldn't really go down, which is, but he shouldn't because he has a big match later. But I love the end because after Rhodes and Vader won and they're putting their arms in the air, Vader just closed like the shit out of dust and Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I just thought that I remember when I saw that and I first watched Pavey, I was like, Oh, that was awesome. And I, you know, I can't wait to see them go out in the, in the battle Royal. And then they end up didn't do much in the battle Royal. Uh, I think both, both men were pretty, pretty exhausted, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's also one of the reasons why I thought, man, one day, you know, it'd be great 
to see Vader versus, you know, Dustin for the title at one point, you know, especially in 93, when Vader wins the title back in 93, or actually in the end of this year, and he had that long run in 93, I always thought about that moment at Starcade when he clotheslined Dustin. I thought, man, I would love to see a, a program between these two guys. And I just think it would be magic if Dustin had Dustin in his corner. And, of course, Harley Race is in the corner of Vader. Just just seems like perfect storytelling to me. So I didn't really like this match much at all, but what I my favorite thing was when Harley dropped that knee right on Dustin's head after mm-hmm. after Vader clothesline. It was like, oh my god, that was like the, it was like the best move of the whole night. Almost was Harley dropping that knee. Yeah, he's, he's a magician with that man. He always yeah. looks so good. Uh, okay, so this match was actually pretty interesting just because of the partners. So uh, next match was uh, Barry Windham and the Great Muda versus Two Cold Scorpio and Flying Brian. Uh, I was watching this match and wondering, like, okay, like, you know, I, I sort of guessed. I was like, D- do Pillman and Windham like get mad at each other and start fighting? Like, I don't remember. And I, I guess no. I was like, no, I don't think they do. And yep, they start throwing blows at each other. So that was really fun. Um, Muda wins the match. He hits a he hits a moon salt salt on uh, too cold. Uh, there is an interesting thing here with too cold and Muda because really, uh, you know, you go back, uh, you know, three years. Muda is doing some stuff as a singles wrestler, you know, with the moonsault, with the high flying stuff that is pretty dynamic for that, that time frame in WCW. And then in 92, that, that same person is too cold. Like he's kind of hot on, on this show coming out of it, but you know, Muda is, is going to be a big deal on this show. So they have him beat too cold with his moonsault, uh, too cold. Didn't really get the show much here. I would have loved to see him get something, you know, get, get a big move in uh, that that, you know, we could have remembered because knowing that he was going to lose. But uh, yeah, so Wyndham and Muda go on to the Battle Bowl. Yeah, I I really wished Too Cold would have made it to the Battle Bowl in a different match somehow, some way instead of you know him losing here because he was gaining some momentum on TV. If you watch the TV, he's you know he's winning job matches and and he's uh, and he's looking great. You know he's, he has that four fifty. I'm guessing here they just didn't want him to outshine Muda, right? I mean Muda has the big mood salts and he and that if they want to keep that special, you know, for him, you can't do the fucking four fifty, right? And yeah. t- you know you see the four fifty, you're like, well, screw that moon salt, right? So I think. You know, he was at his job was not to outshine Muda um, here. But at the same time, it's like Muda's only here for this show. You know, I mean, actually, not really. He's actually going to come back for Super Bowl. And but I don't know. I, I just think like you got to protect your your business at home. And, you know, like let's have Scorpio get in there and he doesn't have to win the Battle Bowl. It would have been better if he did win the Battle Bowl. And that's what I would have done because he was just gaining so much momentum. But I don't know. I just I wish they would have featured him a little bit more after all the, the just what he was doing since his debut in WCW at the Clash. He's just been a lightning rod. So it's like, yeah, I've been I have an issue with this friggin' battle bowl, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, get there. I know. I know. All right. So Dr. Death and Sting. 
against uh, Eric Watts and Liger. So I mentioned that it was kind of a waste of a, of Sasaki, even a more gigantic waste of Jushin Thunder Liger, who did nothing in this match except for get beat up and keep getting back up. Well, um, yeah, I get it. So uh, the 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 one move that that the Watts and Liger team get is Eric Watts trying to put the STF on uh, on on Doc, and I'm just thinking like, is Doc really gonna let this happen? Is he gonna get put in this move? But uh, he didn't really. Um, he, he was close though. Watts was close, and then uh, Doc hit the uh, hit the nice little hot shot on Watts to uh to win the match for his team. Yeah. Yeah, this match was it was okay. Um yeah, Liger didn't get to do much. Um he I don't think he can because, you know, he's in there with two heavyweights and he's still a junior and and he's also against a top guy in all Japan, which was unique because, you know, Jushin Liger's a New Japan guy and, you know, obviously Steve Williams is an all Japan guy and and there's no way Steve Williams is selling much for a junior heavyweight from New Japan. So, okay, but but they, but they they can put these matches together. Like, <laughs> I, well, I know. Well, it's just, <laughs> just no, I I'm not I'm not, I'm just saying why they booked why the match happened. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get I get it. I was just like, you're gonna pay all this. You know, I I don't know how much it costs. I tell know. you what, Muda did not need to be in the battle the battle bowl segment of the show. He didn't need to be involved in it at all. It should have been Barry Windham and Tuchel Scorpio versus Brian Pillman and Jushin Liger. And there could have been a story there. Not mm-hmm. only is Barry Windham and Pillman and Pillman have a title match later on, but Pillman and Liger would have a man advantage in this match because Liger and Pillman teamed up earlier in the NWA World Tag Team Tournament at the Great American Bash. They have experience together, not only as a tag team partner, but as opponents. So they should have an advantage as a team a little bit more than obviously then Barry Windham and Scorpio but Scorpio should pin uh, God I don't know if they would have him pin Liger but maybe instead of having, instead of Scorpio pinning Liger I would have had Windham pin Liger because that makes sense you know you get a heavyweight in Barry Windham who's getting pushed in WCW and I think it's okay I think New Japan wouldn't really concern themselves of Liger loss here to a guy six foot six right so I would have Wyndham win here and then later on I would have Scorpio eliminate Wyndham to win the battle royal no, the battle bowl all right, so as we'll we, talk later, we are <laughs> done with the battle bowl matches. I, I think there, this was an interesting idea. So the first battle bowl, what did they have? Ten matches? Yeah, to get to twenty entrants of the of a of a two ring. Was it a two ring battle royal? Two ring battle royal. Yeah. And so then this one was four matches to get to eight in a one ring battle royal. I mean, I understand why they did it that way when you don't have any matches you can really hype up you know fans aren't going to really get too excited for just the mystery of it all so they kind of did half and half and i don't think this worked perfectly either because they're trying to promote this battle bowl as equal to a super bowl i mean they put uh, Paul Hornig on the show, who's a Green Bay Packer, you know, from the late 60s, uh, early 70s. And he's equating, you know, th- what the Super Bowl is. And they're trying to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's just like the Battle Bowl. But, 
you're, you're basically saying by the luck of the draw, you get to be in this match rather than, you know, these guys fighting to be in this match. So I, I thought there was there was some step forward, but also some step back with just, just this whole idea. Well, in 1993, they made this its own pay-per-view in November of 93. And I always thought this should have been its own pay-per-view, not a Starcade, but a Battle Bowl could be uh, a fun special show. At the time, 93 Battle Bowl wasn't that good because WCW just... You know, wrestling in general was down, and, just, and that show just had much energy to it at all. And they're in this weird transition with the stuff that happened with Sid Vicious and uh, Ari Anderson. They kind of screwed a lot of plans up, and with you know building up to Sid Vicious versus Vader, and it was just a weird time for them. And I think this, like, but I always did. It could have been its own show. They would have continued it it would have been fine and they could have proved on things. And I don't mind the, you know, lesser number of guys in the battle Royal because sometimes you get way, way too many guys and it just gets just, just kind of clunky and boring. But like I thought with eight, it should have been moving more, right? It should have been more action packed, but you also had a match with guys who wrestled previously in hard matches. And so, they're not it's just they're just probably too exhausted to go out there and go go nuts you know so i just kind of took away from the battle the battle bull part of it but you know the some of the singles matches at least two of them are singles matches two uh the regular matches two of the regular matches were were really good and the other two were eh. all right so now we get to uh great muda versus chono and not the right match for this show, not the right match for this crowd. No. Um, we didn't get to see the great Muda that we remembered, right? Like the great Muda that we had seen in 89 and who was just the, you know, like the next big thing. That guy was not this guy in this match. Um, I, I mean, you know. Uh, there was really nothing wrong with the match, but just not the style, not the the, the guys as as much as you know the the crowd should have known Muda. I don't know how much they really knew Chono, but the the crowd was just sitting on their hands the whole time. So Muda Muda uh, had some near falls. Like it actually was like really good. Like the last two or three minutes of it was really good, and then. Um, Chono finally sunk in the STF to win the match. Yeah, the match was, like you said, it was just a good match at the wrong crowd. This crowd's, you know, not educated all these kind of different submissions they were doing. You know, they were doing stuff that Japanese crowds are understanding, but not the American crowd. And and Chono's not a known, he's, you know, he's been in WWE for a little bit. You know, he was featured at the, you know, Colin Havoc and, you know, they featured him winning the title, NWA title on television, but not really focused. And I think at this point in time, people didn't give a shit about the NWA title. You know what I mean? Like they just, they're moved, they moved on from it in 91 and it just wasn't needed to be brought back by Watts. I thought that was a dumb move. And um, unless they were going to unify him, which I guess Watts probably wanted to do that, but he just never got the opportunity to do it. And and this match here, just I think, and Muda's just, Muda's, uh, he's kind of can be lazy. 
you know, I think he's like, shit, I'm wrestling three matches. I'm not going to do too much here. I'm losing here, you know. Um, they should have just left this off. I don't really think they needed it, honestly. But it was, you know, some working agreement they had with New Japan. And, and it's kind of weird because he loses here. And then he also, but then he wins the title in, in January at the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. In 93. So I wonder if they justify the outcome of the end of the night to earn another shot at the title, I guess. Maybe I don't know how that really worked out in Japan, but, um, you know, they the fans weren't expecting him to submit to the STF. They didn't know they weren't really buying it. And I don't think Muda really submitted. He was kind of like shaking his hand, but like not in a t- I'm tapping way. He's like, sh- like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm still holding on kind of way. And so all of a sudden the ref just calls it. So it looked like as one of those things, I think Muda was just like, I'm still going to protect myself with some kind of controversy or something like that. Maybe they can blame the American ref, you know, maybe he didn't understand Muda or something like that. He, <laughs> you know, they, who knows what they played, how they played it in Japan at the time. And so the this is the segment that I didn't like either. Jim Ross talks about an eight man tournament for a shot at Rude's U.S. title for January twenty third, and if Rude can actually make it to the match on January twenty third, he didn't actually say what would happen if the if Rude couldn't make it. So I don't know if the number one contender just gets the title, doesn't have to actually win it, or or maybe they make that finale for the title. Yeah, that's what uh, but, happens. But uh, so Rude comes down to the ring. So this dude is so injured that he cannot wrestle a match and he walks down the ring like nothing is wrong at all. So when I'm I, I, I remember when I'm watching this show, I'm thinking like, oh, he he and you know, he must be pissed off at somebody. That's why. And, and, and the injury is not legit. Now, the injury is actually legit. But did he have to be like, what is he doing here? He's not on this on this show. Like, you're just telling the fans that this dude is not that hurt by having him walk down the aisle. Can you wear a damn neck brace? <laughs> Something. Yeah. Can he you know, limp? I mean, a neck brace. I, I remember me, too. I didn't understand. Like, honestly, I didn't know what a herniated disc was when I was in 1992. I just, did, you know, I could understand broken neck, but like herniated disc was just something like, what's that? You know, but um, I didn't buy it as a kid. I can see your frustration here. Me too. I, the first thing I thought, like, you know, he should have wore a neck brace at least, mm-hmm. you know, to really get it over. And the crowd, the crowd still hated him, though. The crowd was still giving him heat when he was like, you know, you're screwing me. And so I thought, I'm like, okay, oh, they're, they're with it. At least here's live, the live crowd. And then when they announced the match, the replacement, at, I wasn't disappointed at, at the announcement of it because I really like, you know, the replacement. It's just what they gave us yep. was a lot of poop. So Dr. Death comes out. They, they really laid the foreground, I think, for this because you have your world title match fourth from the top mm-hmm. on this pay-per-view, your, your biggest pay-per-view of the year. And, you know, they're trying to tell you that Dr. Death is is the number one contender. We all know we haven't seen him on TV, you know, maybe like once or twice in like the last six, six weeks or so. And so when we did see him, it was as a tag. So how is he the top guy? Right. I I mean, I, I get it. He's just plan B. If Rude couldn't be there, I w I would have maybe, um, I, I don't know if this would have helped any, 
but you could put Austin in there. Austin is a single and, and they they're they're protecting him to, for the most part when he's in singles matches. I think that could have been a better match, too, because Ron could have done way more of that explosive stuff that the crowd would have loved. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, not not the pick. Uh, the, like I said, crowd wasn't really buying Doc as a single. Um, and I think but I do think that they would have been crazy if it was rude. Like, I think this this crowd was like dying for Rick Rude in this match. So it's even. Been- it would have been a hotter match with Rude, obviously. Because like, just by the reaction they got from him coming out for that promo, they were giving him so much heat that it would have been um, they would have been up big time for that match. So the other reason why I think this is a bad opponent for Ron is because Dr. Dr. Death controls this match so much, and then Ron starts his comeback, and we barely get any comeback before the finish, which is both guys spilling out of the ring. And then they do a double count out. And so how do they save face for Ron? Well, this is how we save face. Steve Williams goes back into the ring and kicks his butt some more, so much that they change it to disqualification. (laughs) So it's like, how could you make Ron Simmons look any worse on this show? Yeah. No, this was just, just, this kept getting worse. Um On paper, you look at Ron Simmons versus Steve Williams, think, oh, man, they can have a really good match, right? And it's not like they're bad workers. You know, Steve Austin, Steve, Steve, Austin, Steve Williams is great. And the Ron's, other Steve Williams. Yeah. Steve, Dr. Death Steve Williams is a really great worker. And Ron Simmons is, you know, a pretty good worker. He's not, you know, I mean, Steve Williams level, but like he's, he has fire. He has, uh, you know, high impact moves. Like if they would have just, and honestly, if this was like Paul Heyman was booking this now, it would have been just big move, big move, big, you know, like let him mm-hmm. go out there and just do these big moves and excite the crowd. And the problem was Steve Williams is not doing the job. Nope. So why put him out there if he's not going to lose? It doesn't benefit Ron. It just hurts Ron. And the finish was just stupid. I think, I think Watts was like, well, let's hook. Let's give, you know, he kind of got that old Oklahoma boy in him. And he was like, well, let's give him Steve Williams because he's a badass, you know. And, and it's like, OK, but this is what I would have done. Because remember, not everyone made the battle bowl, right? There's mm-hmm. still X amount of wrestlers left in the locker room that didn't get picked. So I would have said just like how Ron Simmons had the opportunity mm-hmm. in August versus versus vader we're gonna put all the guys yeah you're gonna put all those guys that didn't get picked in a hat and i would have drawn out paul orndorff Mm -hmm. because they had a count out match orndorff won by count out like what two three weeks ago four weeks ago right remember when he his first match Mm -hmm. in the promotion Mm -hmm. against ron simmons and it was a good match and then he's been winning on television so and sure, you might not want to beat Paul Orndorff here, but it is okay because Orndorff ends up in March winning the WWE television title and they do a tournament. He beats Eric Watts in the finals. So you can say like, okay, you lose here, but we're going to put this TV title on you and you're going to get this long run as TV champion. So you kind of pacify Orndorff's ego, right? He might be mm-hmm. like, hey, I just got here. I don't want to lose, but you know, hey, Throw him another thousand on his pay. You know what I mean? Like whatever you gotta do to get it done. And I like Steve Austin. I would have probably say yes, him. You know because he's such a talent. But Austin was kind of like 
in the middle where mm-hmm. Orndorff is still fresh. So I would have mm-hmm. went with Orndorff and you could still put it in this position on the card and have him just, just Ron Simmons get a, a win. And then, you know, I, I'm damn sure Paul Orndorff would, would have done a better job than Steve Williams did. I, Steve Williams, I don't think, you know, because of, you know, all Japan's his bread and butter is not going to look weak, yeah. you know, here. So, yep. Yep. Uh, and so thankfully these next two matches really saved the show. I, the, the battle, the battle bowl, I didn't like the battle bowl, but we'll talk, we'll talk about when we get there. Winneman Pillman, Steamboat and Douglas. The only thing I will say is this match was so fun that Jesse, the body Ventura, who is, you know, the heel announcer, he was so happy with this match that at the end he goes, it's a shame one of these teams had to lose. <laughs> like, even the heel announcer was so into this match where he's like, nope, this match is so good. I, I just, I'm so sad that somebody had to lose. Uh, Shane Douglas wins uh, with the with the belly to belly, but such a good match. Really great payoff from this uh, really fun feud. And uh, just, I don't know, I, you know, I, I like Sting Invader better because I like that story better. Mm. But this was really this was really close to to to, the, to that quality. Second best match on the show. This is one of my favorite tag matches. Like if I had to do a top 20 tag matches like this would be on it. Um, I really love this match. It really gets going like when Wyndham goes over the top rope and Steve body slams him on the floor and then he ends up. When I'm selling up to the apron and and then he you know because the pop got such a great reaction when Steamboat body slammed him on the floor and he called for Shane Douglas to get another body slam on the <laughs> on the ramp and they got another bigger reaction right because if you want to see a how much of a stinker Ron Simmons and Steve William was that it really affected the first few minutes of this mm-hmm. match crowd was just 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 the wins are taken out they're so disappointed what they just ha- happened in the previous match. And it took these guys working their ass off to get them back into it. And they did. The crowd got into it. Everyone's working hard. Douglas takes a wild bump over the top rope. A couple of them. Like one, he goes through the rope. His ankle hits the the the, the, uh, the, the ring uh, ring barrier, makes a big old noise. Bam, people react. Um, he's on the top rope. He takes another big spill. Um, uh, Steamboat, there's two heats. Steamboat gets heat heat on him and there's a moment where Steamboat's selling outside here goes Wyndham just great camera shot Wyndham just running around the, the ring post just close lines the hell out of him and just really good stuff I just I just I couldn't wait to watch this pay-per-view just to watch this match again because it's been such a, good, a long time and yep it's still great and you know you got you know three really good workers and Shane Douglas is just a step behind those guys but like he's definitely you know I think on top of his game he in 1992 so i jay had uh just a, a great match and i highly recommend people there's a lot to skip on this show but there's two matches you need to watch is this match and of course vader versus sting which you, i'm sure probably people's already seen that one many times i think if pro wrestling was a little bit more popular in wcw 1992 because the only people who are watching this product are people like you and me across the country you know just you're sticking with this product with no rick flair mm-hmm. um and you're sticking through you know a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you had to deal with in 91 and it, you're, you know you're left with, with really with the diehard of the diehards 
And if wrestling was more popular and they actually had some casual fans watching this show, I think this match would be one of the more famous matches in WCW history. The story of this match is just about perfect. Like, imagine Hogan's entire run in WWF, the first run where he faces the big monster and he, you know, he's, he's, he's sell, 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 come back, you know, sell, 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 come back. Sting and Vader did that thing that Hogan would do, except you actually had a heel who was uh, not only a beast, but was also light on his feet and was also uh, just a really strong worker. And you had Sting, who was so athletic, way more athletic than Hogan, um, you know, bouncing around and and doing his Muhammad Ali gimmick and rope-a-dope and, you know, come back, come back, and then boom, gets knocked out again. And he's got to kind of fight from, from the bottom again. And, you know, Vader's throwing those brutal forearms and Sting's just like kind of covering his ears, taking these big shots. Um and the babyface in the end outsmarts the heel. Vader hits his big move and he kind of bounces off a of sting and doesn't have the opportunity to pin him. And then he's got to go up for one more move. He's a little greedy and sting smartly power slams him off the top rope and, uh, and, you know, grabs the leg and, and holds him tightly knowing that this is my one shot to win. And he wins a match. Like just this, this match. I remembered that this match was good, but when rewatching it with like twenty twenty eyes, I feel like it was even better than when I re- what I remember. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It's my favorite of their matches they've that they had. I, I love their Great American Bash match, but this match is a few clicks ahead of that one. Um, I love the story as well. I love the idea that Sting went in knowing that. I'm going to take some punishment to get this guy tired, right? To, to tire the big man out. And and they told a great story. Like, Vader's just throwing bombs, those bombs in the corner on him. And he's just, you know, throwing some, some look fucking, <laughs> some, what I, one was, you know, pretty stiff. Most of them were pretty safe, but one was like, bam, I'm like, holy shit. And I think Sting was like, oh my God. But, but then Vader was so good at like all of a sudden getting tired, right? Then they started not affecting Sting as much. And now Sting makes a comeback. It was so good. I loved, I loved watch this match again. I've seen this match many times. This never gets, it never gets boring. Sting pulled out all these new moves. And then Zagiri, he never did. A second rope DDT, he never did. Um, you know, it was just really, really well done. And we were watching this this for the show it was extra special for me because this was the day i watched this match specifically was the day we did the elf on the shelf with the wrestlers and and so when the kids woke up and they saw the elf on the shelf and the wrestlers they were like oh my god this is they never, they never seen these toys before <laughs> i knew they were in my closet i had this and i was gonna um actually they're still kind of marked up and i know people sent me stuff like how to clean them up and i haven't done it yet and i was gonna do it just never got a chance to do it so katrina was like hey do you got anything you know i want to do like a wrestling thing so i said well i use these like i chose the wrestlers i'm gonna do sting invader because i didn't tell her why but I was like, it's kind of funny because we're doing Starkey 92. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, it'd be fun. You know, the giant looks cool. Hogan's <laughs> Hogan, right? And just, you know, just was. And then, of course, Uncle Jeff Cobb's little micro mini guy was mm-hmm. on there, too. Um, but 
my fave my 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 son hunter who is only two two and a half and he doesn't really care about wrestling and chloe does she watches me because she you know her favorite as talked about before is rhea ripley but like you know hunter could care, care less right he's usually sleeping by the time we're really watching wrestling but he got into the you know their toys right and so i have a couple i had like six or ten more all these toys in the bag I didn't, we didn't use for the for the scene for Elf in the Shelf. So I told Trim, I don't go blow the mine right now. So I green the bag and I just dump it on the floor. Oh, I got more. Boom. And they're like, oh my God. Like Christmas came early, right? <laughs> hey, let's play wrestling, Dad. Let's play wrestling. And the one that Hunter was attached to was Big Van Vader. And I was getting thrilled. Chloe's asking me all this, who's this guy? What's his story? And I was telling all this history and, and everything. And and Hunter was just like saying all the names because he's talking more and more now. And he and it's so cute to hear him say, big fan Vader, right? So I threw on Sting versus Vader right away. And mm-hmm. said, Hey Hunter, come here, check this out. And I just click it. I'm gonna watch, keep watching. And the music plays. It out comes. And he's like, and Chloe like freaks out. Oh my god, it's a guys, a big bad Vader guide. And <laughs> and then you know, Hunter's like, Vader, he's holding Vader, right? <laughs> and I don't even tell him who the opponent is. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, who he's wrestling? And out comes Sting. And she's like, Oh my god, that's, that's this guy, that's Sting. <laughs> and then they're, they're holding Sting and they're just going crazy watching this match. And then, you know, and Hunter's watching it and everything. And then later that night, I rock my youngest to sleep Kaylee and I come out and Trina goes Hunter wants to watch a big Van Vader <laughs> so I was like well they gotta go to bed it's too late for that yeah, but yeah, I did yeah. throw in because Vader you know didn't have his classic big samurai mask on right for the match with a star I too so I showed him Greater American Batch 90 when Big Van Vader debuted in WCW because he came out with that big helmet on. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of confused at first. He was looking at the guy and he's like, where's this helmet, right? Like, is this the same guy you're telling me about, basically? So, so beyond just being a great match and rewatching again, it was so great. It was like a cool, like, extra special now because I got to share this moment with my son mm-hmm. and my daughter, Chloe. So, it was a lot of fun. Well, I really do wish the pay-per-view would have ended <laughs> here i know for I know. two reasons i will tell you so the king of the cable sting wins this whatever the king of the cable is gets a trophy whatever it is but that is such a great moment for him to win that match and then we still had this battle bowl left over so the first thing that they do is they have vader beat the crap out of him and start choking him. So this great moment that we just have with our favorite guy, it's now a little bit deflated and sting never gets it back in this match because he and Vader go over the top. They're out of the match. So this guy, your hero who just won, he is now out of this match. He's not going to win back to back. And so you have of all the guys left, uh, it's, it's, it's Barry, it's Dustin, it's Muda, and who was, there was, a, who was the fourth guy? Steve Williams. Steve Williams, okay. To me, I, I knew, I remembered what happened, but I'm watching this going like, okay, you know, TV show from 28 years ago, let's make an audible. Like, why, why is Dustin not winning this match? Like, it would be mm-hmm. great if he wins this match. Only because I, it's not it's nothing against Muda. Like if, if Muda was was their guy, it'd be great. 
But Muda wasn't their guy and he wasn't going to be around. So why do you have that guy win this match when you can't really do anything with it? I don't I don't, I don't understand the booking of Muda. I don't know if it was just the promise him he'd win this because he's losing on a pay-per-view like that's in that early that night is like some kind of like pacifying him for some reason but you're right like if it's not going to be too cool scorpio it should have been damn near it should have been dustin rhodes mm-hmm. and the few that i mean we've been seeing for weeks they've been brawling they've been fighting they've been wanting to kill each other and they have this battle royale happens and nothing really happens between them. They 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 hook up here and there, and there's like a moment or two, but it's nothing like oh man, I, 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 we can't wait to see Dustin get his hand on Barry because Barry's exhausted mm-hmm. from doing 20 minutes in yep. a tag match. Sting and Vader are freaking exhausted from just having that match they just had before. Yeah, Dustin this. only had to wrestle one time. Yeah, it's just you know it's so hard. You know, like that's why Vader and Sting should never had this opportunity. You know to be in it again because like you said it killed that moment for sting vader just he reason why he attacked him and held him for a while is just so he both can catch the breath <laughs> you know like there he's just holding him there just to kind of like you know sting's doing a good job he's selling it and he's working he's not like just laying there but at the same time he is catching his breath because shit those guys had a war right and it was just a disappointment i know the crowd popped big when muda won but because they really like him but it's how does it really help their business, you know, going forward? I know, like I said, Muda wins the NBA title. He comes back and loses to Barry Windham at Super Bowl three. But, you know, like, why don't you steam up the Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham feud for the house shows coming mm-hmm. up? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, add some add some momentum to that. And I it is looking back. It's so confusing. I was like. I don't remember the battle royal other than Muda winning, and mm-hmm. and I remember Barry getting a bloody nose. Well, it sucked. That's why you don't and, remember. And, 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 and that's why I don't. I never really went back and rewatched that battle royal that many times. There, there was nothing of real interest or anything cool that actually happened in the match. It was just, it was just a bunch of exhausted guys or guys not really caring to give too much of an effort because they're not winning a dining spivey and you know even steve williams wasn't you know he's also tired too from doing what he did Mm -hmm. earlier and you know so it's just it was just uh like i said it should have been its own pay-per-view and it should have been its own event a long time ago and and um starcade should have been just been starcade and the whole nwa title was just a waste of time and then and just added so much confusion to the show and but luckily two great matches and it's definitely those and they're back to back so if you want to come check out the show out just go to that tag title match watch that watch barry watch vader and sting and just enjoy really two great pro professional wrestling matches and you should be satisfied it, it was WCW's version of Ali versus Foreman. It was WCW's version of Balboa versus Clubber Lang 2. Just like perfect booking. Like when you watch that, you go, oh my God, everything about that match is perfect. And Vader didn't lose a thing by getting pinned. Like he he, he was aggressive and, and Sting was outsmarted him and and you know got the quick win and you know vader didn't lose a thing losing that match sting you know just the the best baby face you could possibly have at that time that that, that's the other thing where you know i said wrestling is not not that popular some of it is because for whatever reason you know maybe maybe if someone else 
had uh, had book sting at that time. Maybe he could, maybe, maybe it, you know, the idea, uh, it always felt to me, at least growing up, NWA, WCW always had this idea that, yeah, the baby faces, you know, we want them to chase, chase, chase. And then, you know, maybe they will win, but then they're going to lose really quickly again so that they could chase, chase, chase. I wonder if they did it the other way where Sting is just, you know, they do it the WWE way where Sting, you know, they just bring in the new, the new monster. Sting's got to go after, uh, you know, a Vader. Uh, the problem is, is, you know, who are you going to bring in uh, as far as monsters are, are, are concerned at that point? But, you know, maybe it is bringing back a, a Sid Vicious, but I just wonder if, you know, if they book that thing a little bit differently when, when Sting takes that title from Luger, uh, or maybe, you know, maybe I guess you can't really go back to, to 1990, but let's say in 1992, he takes that title from Luger and then he just faces like the biggest and badass heels. I do wonder if they 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 could actually save a little bit of, of the fan base and uh, and it doesn't just start dwindling all the way, you know, down to pretty much bottom barrels by the time of December. Yeah, and I know Sting isn't getting I don't know. I remember I trying to remember the story in 92 because he does get, well, storyline wise, Vader injures his ribs and he's out to like, I want to say May or, or so or, or yeah, because he comes back for Wrestle War. Um, so I don't know if he's why he's if he's really hurt or is he on maternity leave, you know, mm-hmm. or something, paternity leave or something like that. Or um, I'm not sure the reason why. But if you're if you're going that route, 1992 would have been a perfect year because you had Rude right as a challenger. Austin, you could have done you know something on a smaller scale, maybe a Clash of Champions with. I don't know if he was ready for a pay per view deal with. But you know the Dangerous Alliance was hot right with with Sting. So you had that you had that thing that kind of ended really at at Wrestle War. Um, you had the Vader rematch, which you know he could have beat Vader. You know, I think Watts and he says this in his book. And I do agree with him here too, as well. That Sting is kind of above the title, mm. and as a gimmick, he's like the Undertaker. Like Sting is the gimmick, and he's, you know, above the title. Like, you know, you want to use the title maybe to help someone like a Ron Simmons, but you know, Ron Simmons needed help by the Credible Challengers, and he had two. And but you know, Vader, they're saving him for some for house shows, and uh, Rude was there hoping for this big match at Starcade that didn't happen, and he just kind of and I think they kind of just went a different direction, obviously. But um, but yeah, I like the idea of Sting being a dominant champion, and you know, there's you, you could have you know check you could looked around for new challengers, new monsters, new guys. I mean, there's you know there's I think Bam Bam Bigelow is he in? Oh, he's already in. WWF 92 so you can't bring him in but like you know, Scott Norton maybe or uh, mm-hmm. they did that in 93 which didn't work out at least they wrestled in Japan but um, you know you could have found some other guys to bring in and done something with you know Eddie Gilbert was supposed to come in but he kind of spilled the beans to someone and <laughs> he ended up not bring, supposed to be a big surprise and I know Eddie Gilbert and Watts always use him as kind of a wrestling, a wrestle coach kind of guy. But there's this history between Eddie and Sting, and you know Eddie could have brought his you know group of 
monsters in to ch- you know chase Sting down because you know Eddie knows Sting right he, he knows it like the back of his hand he trained him he helped him his career he knows everything about him and blah 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 so he could have done something there too it could have been interesting if that Scott Steiner weird heel turn whatever that was that that could have been something um I was you know, all- know what it was is that Bill Watts and Scott Steiner didn't get along right mm-mm, mm-mm. they clashed Rick and Rick and Watts always got along, right? But Scott was the hot-headed one. And Watts wanted Scott to turn heel because he said, you would be a great heel because you're an asshole, mm-hmm. right? And and if you turn on your brother, this will be such a great program. And it's it's a you know family's fight. And this is like a real thing, right? People would get, get connected to it. Rick was down to do it. But Scott didn't want to do it. And Rick didn't really push it because, you know, they were brothers and, you know, they kind of, they stuck together. Right. But it would, it would not have probably been great for Japan though. No, 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 no. But so I think what was dumb is that he did it and Scott did it to try it out, but then Scott was gone. So he said, screw it and took the title and, you know, <laughs> just a, some you know some bonehead mistake you know just one of those things that was just didn't work out but um but yeah that's it man end of our run of night the wwe 1992 and uh, now we're moving on to uh wwf raw 1997 which we talked about last week i'm excited because it's been a while since i've seen all that stuff yeah no it's gonna be fun so for folks uh who are uh interested in that like i said this Monday on our Patreon, we will talk about the stuff that we usually talk about on this show, which is the AW versus NXT review. So we'll be a little late on that, but I think it'll still be okay. And then we will, um, the following Monday, uh, we will kick off our WCW, I'm sorry, our WWF Raw. I think like the first month, they're like hour, but then like, and in, in by February, I think then they go to two hours. Mm, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other thing I want to mention is we got to figure out what we're going to do for New Year's Eve. We, we need to figure out. Oh, shit. We need to find something else. We just had this big, long conversation about this show, what I we're going to do. Now we got to figure this out. Huh? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I don't know. Because, you know, again, you know, you're talking about the is is December 3rd. 30th i think are are the nxt and AEW shows because so, we would then re, we would normally record on the 31st but yeah we'll have to figure we'll have to figure that whole thing out might be another patreon thing or something yeah we'll 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 have to do some i know that um chris samsa wants to do a uh russell kingdom preview so we we Mm -hmm. could do that instead um for that time we'll figure it out you know the well it's i i actually have a lot of time off so uh so i'll be i'll be around doing stuff and then like you know we can do we can do a couple different things so just keep your eye out on it on our on our twitter and and such at fight game media but yeah man uh hope that you and the fam have a great christmas and that everyone, you know, all the kids have a blast. And uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be, you know, it, when the kids are that young, it's nuts and it's so much fun. And 
take a snapshot, you know, because as, as they get a little bit older, it's not as cool. Like you, you you're going to the age of all three of your kids. It's like perfect. Like just, you know, for the next couple of years, it'll still be perfect. But uh, you, yeah, you guys will have a blast. Yeah. I mean, when this whole pandemic hit, we really, we really talked about, well, let's make this the best year possible, even though it's, there's a lot of things are going to be you know, holding us back from doing, but we can make memories just by, and I even said like, what's going to happen? They can't go see Santa. Mm-hmm. So back in, I know I, you, I'm sure you, I don't know if you saw the video of me dressed up as Santa. Did no. Yeah. It's online. You should check it out. Um, so in this happened in the summertime that Katrina and I are talking about this. And I'm like, we should just buy a Santa suit now. And maybe your dad could dress up or I could dress up because like, you know, we do, if we buy it in December, it's going to be expensive. But if we buy it in July, we'll probably find a decent suit. That's a good price. And we did. And so we were supposed to do it the day before we did on, supposed to do it on Saturday, but unfortunately we had that electrical issue. Remember I texted you about mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of delayed that <laughs> for a while. But, um, so we did it on Sunday while the kids were making cookies. They're uh, rolling out cookies for, um, Christmas cookies to decorate. So I dressed up and went in the bedroom and, and Trina yells, come Dasher, come print, whatever she mm-hmm. said. And, and out, out, out I came and the kids were just dying laughing and <laughs> Hunter was looking confused. <laughs> Chloe was, you know, I'm doing the voice. Kaylee wasn't scared of me at all. And <laughs> it's on video though. You can't really see Kaylee's reaction, but you see Chloe and Hunter's reaction. And my in-laws are actually watching on the iPad and, and, um, uh, and Chloe still asks me every day, like, were you Santa? You look awfully familiar. And I was like, no, I was taking a poop. That's like, our, that's the cover up. I was like, I had to go take a poop, you know? And, uh, and I was like, it was long. It was like, it was a tough one. I was in there for a while. I was just, you know, and she's like, but he had the same glasses you dad, daddy. I'm like, well, Santa wore the same glasses that I did, you know? So it was a lot of fun. It's on Facebook. You should check it out. It's just, it's cute. And, you know, it's just stuff like that we're doing and, you know, making cookies. Um, we, do the Christmas light, you know, driving around, looking at Christmas lights. Of course, we went all out this year and we're going to keep doing it for the rest of our lives with the Christmas lights. And um, so just, just trying to do that, man. You know, keep, even though we have our, some handcuffs, handcuffs right now because it's pandemic, let's, let's, let's make the kids as, as fun as possible. I mean, Katrina and I were talking about, like, we're actually more excited about this Christmas than any Christmas because we're so excited for them to open the presents. Mm-hmm. There's some wrestling stuff in there. I got a couple <laughs> treats for Chloe and, and Hunter. So it's going to be a kick to see, to see them opening those presents. And, nice. Um, yeah, nice. it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. They're, 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 they're freaking spoiled this year. Definitely. All right. So to everyone uh, who is listening, hope you do have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. And there will be more content coming from this feed as well as the Patreon feed. So hopefully everyone has a uh, pretty fun next couple of days and uh, you will hear from us very soon. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.